As much as 40% of the nation's homeless youth identify as LGBTQ+. This community faces particular challenges when it comes to finding safe and secure housing. And that's true here in urban Alaska and in communities around the state. But there are many people working to address these problems. We're discussing resources for lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer youth experiencing homelessness right now on Talk of Alaska. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. Alaska USA has been on a journey with Alaskans since their first member account was opened in 1948. They'll be with you every step of the way through the challenges of today and the hopes of tomorrow. AlaskaUSA.org. This message sponsored by Alaska USA. Elisogvik College, Alaska's only tribal college, is currently accepting applications for the spring 2022 semester. Elisogvik offers certificate and degree programs, in-person or distance education, with small class sizes built around indigenous culture. Contact recruitment at elisogvik.edu to find out about free tuition waivers. This message brought to you by Elisogvik College, Alaska's only tribal college, building strong communities through education and training. The views expressed on this program are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. You're listening to Talk of Alaska. I'm Adeline Baxter. Youth are a particularly hard group to track when it comes to homelessness, and those who identify as LGBTQ may have even more reason to fly under the radar. Today, we're talking about the underlying factors that contribute to housing insecurity for queer and trans teens and young adults and the work being done to address it. Here with us to discuss this issue are Julia Terry, co-director of Choosing Our Roots, and Enigma Jindra, a youth board member for Choosing Our Roots. We also have Joe Hemphill, chief development officer at Covenant House. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Tracy Weiss from Identities Health Clinic to learn more about the underlying factors and long-term impacts of homelessness. You can also join our discussion. Have you or someone you know experienced housing in discrimination and insecurity? What resources have you found that others should know about? Call us. The statewide number is 1-800-478-8255. That's 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 907-550-8422. And you can email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. Well, thanks for being here, Julia, Enigma, and Joe. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I want to start by going around and introducing, uh, having each of you introduce yourselves and your pronouns and talking about why that's important. My pronouns are she, her. So Enigma, let's start with you. What are your pronouns and why is it uh, important for uh, queer and trans folks to have them acknowledged? Um, So my pronouns are he, him, ze, them, fair, and it, it. Um, I use three sets of what are known as neo-pronouns, but I also use standard he, him. And so why that's important is because, like, it's bare minimum respect that can actually save a life. Sometimes the greatest reason to keep going is someone acknowledge who you are, and respecting pronouns is, a wonderful way to acknowledge who someone is and it's just it's just basic human decency that's 
the mm. biggest reason why it's so important is it's literally just human decency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate what you said. I mean, it's uh, meeting someone where they're at. It's the it's the expectation that you would show a person the respect that they want to show you in return. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, so Joe, um, some people have a hard time grasping this concept of pronouns. You know, there's a lot of different arrangements. We just heard a few of uh, examples that Enigma uses. So what's your perspective on that? And also, what are your pronouns? Um, yes. Hi, this is Joe, and I'm, uh, my pronouns are he, him. And, um, you know, as a 52-year-old uh, male, white male, um, I can tell you that I'm part of a, a, a population or a subset of our, our society um, that is struggling a little bit, you know, and and that's okay. Uh, but as we just heard from Enigma, you know, it's 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 just part of being a decent human uh, to sort of bring ourselves along. And another word I would use or phrase I would use, um, and I, I hope Enigma would, would agree with me, is it's also just good manners. So mm-hmm. we're, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're part we're part of a a place and time in history when gender identity, sexual orientation. Um, are at the forefront of how we are good citizens and can be good neighbors and coworkers and peers. And the conversation includes um, the use of these of um, identifying pronouns. And just because you're confused or don't understand it doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying. And um, and what I learned, you know, from my 19-year-old son. Um, who is um, a uh, cis male um, um, gay man, um, is if you don't know, ask. And if you, can't, um, if you can't ask, just go to the plural they, them, because that is somewhat all-encompassing. It's not offensive, and it doesn't assume. So um, I just want to say to all of my uh, peers and colleagues and friends um, who might be listening, and the, and the community at large, our, our age is not an excuse for not, you know, um, jumping on to this um, a very important um, part of, of, you know, of, of an expanding vocabulary. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that, Joe. Julia, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. And is there anything you want to add in that respect? Sure. Thanks so much. This is Julia. I use they, them pronouns. That's actually been kind of a recent shift for me over this past year um, as I spend more time understanding all of the ways that um, language shifts and changes. And I really appreciate what both Enigma and Joe had to say. I want to remind everyone that trans and gender expansive people have always existed. And, you know, one of the um, oldest trans people that I know is in her 90s. And I think that when we take a step away from Um, colonized language, we also come to understand that there are a whole slew of cultures and communities out there who have third and fourth genders, who have no pronouns, and in the English language, all people have pronouns. So respecting somebody's pronouns is not just about trans and gender expansive people. It's about being able to see every person in front of you for who they authentically are. And I'm so glad to be here today listening to great people talk about this important subject that's so dear to my heart. Absolutely. Thank you, Julia. And thank you all three for those points. And I I just want to add that I've never been in a situation where um, someone was not, if I made a mistake with pronouns, someone was not gracious and, you know, 
if I uh, apologized and corrected myself, that they were not grateful for just the fact that, you know, we were having that conversation. So that's for those people who might be a little bit hesitant to, you know, dip their toes into uh, the realm of other pronouns besides what they're used to. Um, So I want to dive into the topic. Obviously, it's an important one. It's um, homelessness generally is something we do talk about quite a lot on this show and in Alaska. But the specific community of LGBTQ plus uh, teens are particularly vulnerable and, um, as we have will learn, uh, are particularly at risk for becoming chronically uh, homeless adults. So there's not a lot of good numbers or statistics when it comes to youth homelessness in Alaska. And that's even more the case when we talk about LGBTQ plus youth. So I want to talk about why that is. Julia, can you start us off? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, So I want to start off by saying that I think that there's a lot of great work that is currently being done in order to address those gaps in our data collection methods and to increase awareness around how to um, ask questions of all people who come to the table so that we're getting a picture of every single person who walks into the room. Um, So in Alaska, for at least the past 25 years in in my personal experience, and maybe Joe has some other experience to add to this, um, there have been a lot of providers, both medical providers and youth-serving providers and folks within homeless services who have been advocating for um, a breadth of data collection related to sexual orientation and gender identity. And unfortunately, I think that there are a lot of barriers to Um, getting people on board with asking these questions. Sometimes it's about living in communities, and I would say the entire um, breadth of the place that we currently call the United States is steeped in transphobia and homophobia. And while we are trying to dismantle that and move towards um, safer communities, it still persists and exists. And the way around that is education. Um, But if you're gut root instinct to something is to say that's unfamiliar to me and I'm uncomfortable with it and therefore I don't want to ask that question, then we just don't ask the question and there we don't get the information and therefore we can't see what the gaps are in service. Um, And I could probably go down a long road about all of the other reasons why I think that that um, is currently happening. But I do want to amplify that um, the state of Alaska in its homeless management information system recently added in some universal data elements so that when we're talking to our houseless community, we can ask people who they are, how they identify, and how we can best meet their needs as service providers. And I'd also like a nod to um, data for Indigenous justice as well as Native movement um, gender justice program for the work that they're doing around collecting data that's particular to indigenous communities. And finally, I want to say that there are some really important ways that we could be asking people all of these questions that we aren't yet. And that includes things like the youth risk behavior survey that goes out to all high school students throughout the state of Alaska and is in an opt-in survey. Um, I think that you know, as Joe said, and as I think Enigma was also indicating, it's about getting comfortable sharing of ourselves and being curious about one another and just saying, I accept who you are in this moment in front of me, and I want to know more so that I can know you better and be in community with you. Hmm. Thanks for starting us off there, Julia. Yeah. Um, 
Enigma, you as uh, someone who has firsthand experience um, and working in the field of housing insecurity, what is your perspective on the many reasons why there aren't good numbers here to track the problem? Well, first of all, as Julia was mentioning, like, it's, there's not really a lot of, like, good survey tools. Um, Like, many surveys won't even ask that as a question. And if it is, it's just, like, check the box that applies. And, okay, there's not really a lot of room for me to explain myself here. Um, And so my personal, like, thought is, like, what if we just gave a short answer test test box for these things? That would make data collection so much simpler. Recording it would be another animal, but we would have more accurate data. Also, with the fact that our houseless communities are often shifting between shelters and um, other modes of living and couch surfing, it's not always the easiest to track. And then there's also the a situation where sometimes in order to get into shelter, you have to go back in the closet. And so someone such as myself would be like, hi, yes, I need to shelter here. So I'm going to pretend I am a cisgender heterosexual female. Let's go. Um, but other, because not every shelter has the right attitudes and is safe, but sometimes it's your only option. Also many, uh, Times you have youth who live in unsafe, unsupportive housing with their families, and if they say something, they're putting themselves at risk. Hmm. Um, it's a very complicated issue, and there, there's a lot that needs to go into tackling it. And in order to be able to properly track this, I also feel like attitudes as a whole need to shift. But primarily, it's just there's it's either not stated because of safety or it's not able to be properly stated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the points you and Julia have both made about um, the way that we track homelessness. I mean, one of the, I think, best sources of data we have locally and nationally is the point in time count, which happens every January. It's literally one night across the country where uh, volunteers go out and interview and talk to uh, homeless individuals that they find sleeping outside. And it is where a lot of the best data that we have comes from, but it is just that it's a point in time, uh, one particular night. And I'm, I have never been a part of the survey, but I don't believe that um, your you know, gender and um, how you identify is part of the questions that they're asked. But speaking of shelters that do provide um, supportive services specifically for LGBTQ plus uh, youth. Joe um, from Covenant House, can you tell us a little bit about how Covenant House has come to uh, particularly, you know, sort of mold services towards that community? Well, you know, I mean, I guess I, I would sort of start by reiterating that, that um, um, offering safety and sanctuary, which are two of our sort of um, um, you know, high-level goals for vulnerable young people means that we, we number one, we don't ask anyone to self-disclose, um, self-disclose um, um, how they identify um, and or what their sexual orientation is. So um, we do an all-our-welcome-here um, approach, and we work 
closely with other organizations like Choosing Our Roots um, and um, True Colors, which is a national organization, um, around uh, issues that are specifically important for the LGBTQ plus community um, of young people. And, um, you know, we we just are a um, an all-encompassing um, environment where young people, regardless of their story, can come and feel safe. Now, should young people self-disclose, then we offer wraparound services and access to um, um, other programs and behavioral health therapy, et cetera, to help them kind of move out of um, some of the trauma that may exist based on their sexual orientation or their um, their, their challenges that they face based on um, how they might identify. Um, so we are one size fits one organization and many of our youth, um, you, about 40% of, of homeless youth in, this, in the state um, identify as LGBTQ plus. Um, so um, clearly, you know, we, we have a, a good amount of those young people in our, in our care and we just really try to work on what they need as individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly we, we work with um, organizations throughout the community. Hmm. Well, and this seems like a good time, uh, Julia, to ask you to talk a little bit about choosing our roots and how that was founded and uh, how you help coordinate with organizations like Covenant House and many others. Yeah, thanks. I'm really happy to. Um, so Choosing Our Roots is a volunteer collective that also has some paid staff people, of which I am one of three current co-directors. Um, our service area is about 52,000 square miles, um, and it encompasses all of the Matsu region, Anchorage, the Kenai Peninsula, and we're currently um, looking to hire a couple of people out in Bethel. Um, our mission is to ensure that all queer Alaskan youth and young adults have access to safe homes, supportive communities, and opportunities to thrive. And I like to sometimes expand that to say beloved community and that a safe home um, can be almost anywhere as long as you have a relationship and intervention as a connection. Um, And so probably about five years ago, um, myself as well as about a dozen other people in the Anchorage area, most of whom were from various parts of the state, um, most of whom were LGBTQ plus identified themselves, came together to address what we were identifying as a gap in services within our youth serving organizations, um, especially around housing and homelessness. And the thing that initially brought us to the table um, is that I was a person who experienced houselessness as a teenager in Fairbanks about 30 years ago. And a number of the other people that were at the table also had experienced housing instability. And we were concerned that many of the same barriers that we had faced at that point 25 years ago um, persisted for LGBTQ plus young people experiencing housing instability. And so we gathered together young people who were currently or recently had been experiencing homelessness. Um, as well as community members who are passionate about um, following where young people lead and really listening to what young people say that they need. And we started doing some visioning sessions that were supported by the Pride Foundation and that brought in um, maybe another dozen people in community, so about 30 folks all together at the beginning. 
Um, and what we landed on was that we wanted to create an organization that was really based in community care, that was focused on making sure not only that LGBTQ plus young people had um, immediate or um, significant access to stable housing, but also that we could work with community partners and encourage robust development of queer-centered programming. And while our partners at many of the organizations around the state, I'm going to list just a couple of communities really quickly because it's important Mm -hmm. to know that this is statewide, right? So we work with people in Sitka and Juneau and Homer and Bethel and um, Fairbanks and, let's see, uh, Wasilla and uh, Anchorage, of course, and There are youth-serving organizations all over the state that are really devoted to saying, where's the inequity and how can we address it? And how can we make sure that all young people have access to safe housing, but that people who are at the intersections, and that is especially um, people of the global majority or BIPOC youth who are transgender or gender expansive tend to be our most vulnerable population, the folks that wait for a very long time for access to safe housing. How can we make sure that all of those young people have access to safe homes in all of our sheltering systems, in all of our transitional homes, um, everywhere throughout the state? So we landed on this model of host homes, which is how we currently deliver our housing service. Um, And this model is, it's a natural model, right? These are neighbors helping neighbors um, in indigenous communities. We've shared housing with one another when um, people have a place that they need to, sorry, let me try that again. When people need a place to stay, people open their homes. And so we work with community volunteers who have space in their home, and we help them create safe and affirming spaces for queer and trans young people. And then they host those young people in a mentorship model, which allows people to um, be inspired and independent and make choices that are based on uh, their own best life and um, opportunity. And I think that I might have missed something mm, that I really wanted to say, but I'm going to leave it at that and just say that, you know, um, Choosing Our Roots is more than like a housing organization that um, makes sure that young people have a safe place to stay. We're a family. And we work really hard. That made me feel a little teary. (laughs) We work really hard to make sure that people feel like they have purpose and a sense of belonging and a community that will continue to surround them with care and love, um, whether they're stably housed or not, um, whatever their circumstances. And I'm so grateful to get to follow the lead of young people like Enigma and many of our other youth board members who help direct programming and services and keep us relevant so that we don't get stagnant and stuck. Absolutely. Thank you, Julia. And it's an amazing thing that you're not only providing housing and safe places for youth, but also helping them build community where they are. And I mean, that's definitely worthy of emotion. Um, Well, uh, Enigma, I wanted to bring you in. And actually, before I do that, I should mention that if you're just tuning in, this is Talk of Alaska. I'm Adeline Baxter, and we are talking about LGBTQ plus youth homelessness in Alaska, the ways it manifests. Uh, You can also join our conversation if you have anything to add. The statewide number is 1-800-478-8255. 
In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422, and you can email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. Uh, so um, going back to Enigma, what have you noticed uh, about the resources that are available to queer and trans youth in Alaska right now? Um, obviously, there are shortfalls, but are there maybe positive aspects or things like choosing our roots um, are filling in a lot of those gaps? What are your takeaways? Um, there's definitely not many resources mm. um, available here in Alaska, but that goes for everything. We kind of tend to get the rest of the country scrapped, just how things happen here, um, I've noticed. Um, but one thing I will say about resources here in Alaska is um, there are plenty of people who are willing to help. And the resources that there are, you just kind of got to be able to find them. For instance, um, Resources out in the valley and on the peninsula have been popping up, up immensely just out of the blue. People wanting to um, give of queer young people in those areas a safe space. Like I've seen instances of this in Seward and Homer and Kenai Soldatna and out in Talkeetna and in the Matsu, Palmer, Wasilla area itself. There's even some resources in Southeast, such as the Zach Gordon Center um, in Juneau. And here in Anchorage, you've got identity. You have choosing a route. Um, there's a whole plethora. And if you just know who to ask, it works out. And so I honestly feel like when it comes to finding resources, choosing our roots is a really good springboard, especially if you're just like, I just need to know who to talk to about this. Can you give me some recommendations? I've done that um, with Choosing Our Roots because while I am also a youth board member and volunteer, I'm also one of their hosted participants. Mm. And even before I was hosted, I would always say, look, I need help with this. Do you have any suggestions? And then I would get like a list of people to talk to, and then I would just have to go talk to them. Um, and so it works out really well if you can find a good springboard resource and on the state level, choosing our roots is a really good springboard resource. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, go ahead. And, uh, but at the same time, resources are not always safe to access. As I mentioned, if you're a young person living in a really toxic environment with your family, you may not have the safety of being able to access those resources. So that's, always something to keep in mind when it comes to talking about resources is not everyone can safely access them. Right. And that's why I wanted to take a moment to talk about um, emergency situations. We know that um, youth are in a particular kind of bind when it comes to seeking emergency shelter uh, because there are, you know, if they're under 18 and particularly, then they often are not allowed in the adult shelters that um, are, you know, open for many hours of the day and more accessible in emergency situations. So what uh, what recommendations are there for folks who are finding themselves where they just need to get out of their home as quickly as possible, but maybe they're not able to get to Covenant House or another shelter in an urban area? Um, whoever can just jump in here, what, what sort of uh, resources should they know about online or elsewhere? So this is Julia. Uh, well, I'll- with, ahead, with replying to that, and we'll 
Oh, I'm sorry, Joe, did you want to speak? No, 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 go ahead, Julia. Okay, um, I'll just make an attempt to um, say what we tend to do with folks, um, and then maybe Joe or Enigma can fill in some of the gaps there. Um, so the first thing that I want to underline is that, like, at Choosing Our Roots, and I think that at all of our organizations that serve youth, you know, we do encourage, when appropriate, um, long-term focus on restoring health within families of origin. And our goal is to make sure that young people are immediately safe. And I think that that's the goal of all parents and guardians and people that care about their young people is that they don't want their young people in precarious situations, right? Mm -hmm. So emergency shelter is so important because it allows a young person a age-appropriate um, safe space to spend the night, um, to access services, and to get more deeply connected while they make the next safe choice about their life. And so when you're not in an urban area or a place that has access to emergency shelter, and we have very few youth-centered emergency shelter spaces in the state, then a lot of what we do is safety planning. And we try to take a look at what the situation at hand is, how can we get somebody into the safest possible location in that moment? What plan can we make for the next day so that we can follow up and see about getting them into longer-term situations? We have some respite host homes in various locations around the state. Maybe if somebody just needs a night or two in order to get um, centered into a space where they can make decisions with a clearer head. Because as we probably all know, when you're having the experience of destabilized housing that might be connected to um, family violence or to um, some other sorts of social dysfunction, it's really hard to make clear decisions. Everybody needs a place to be able to pause and um, sort of get centered. I would like to really turn it over to, to Joe and Enigma, though, because you may have other creative ideas besides safety planning. Well, I mean, it's I, difficult for me to, um, to speak statewide. I think that you guys have a, a, a much better handle on that, and I'm very grateful that you do. Um, if uh, if a, a young person is in an unsafe situation and they're, you know, aged 13 to 24 um, and they need a, an immediate safe place to stay, um, we absolutely can provide that um, emergency housing, and um, we can do it in – in a, a safe way, we're not actually obligated to even turn over minors to um, child uh, welfare services uh, within the first um, few days. Mm -hmm. So um, it's 24 hours a day, every day of the year. We will send a staff or a taxi to um, to collect a young person, um, and it doesn't matter, you know, if it's in the middle of the night. Uh, there is a there there is an option for them within a geographical kind of reason, right? So um, if they're uh, south of Anchorage, you know, toward Girdwood or beyond uh, slightly if they're in the um, Eagle River, Chugiak, um, up to the valley. I know that my house is out in the valley, but um, if they if they know how to uh, contact us, which, of course, is a, you know, we're all over the Internet and, and Instagram and Facebook, and it, it, they can contact us multiple different ways, um, we, will, we will absolutely go and get them. Mm. Okay, thank you, Joe. Enigma, was there anything you wanted to add there? And something I want to add to is, um, of course, this isn't always the easy 
is saying like from like myself for instance i uh, was homeschooled most of my life so i understand that this part of what i'm going to say is not always the simplest but one thing i will always suggest is when in doubt have a couple people you can in contact in a pinch and if you or like tell them if i don't contact you for a few days you need to physically come get me um because as someone who has also had their phone taken away multiple times for no reason i know that it's not always easy to contact people when you're in a pinch but always have a couple friends and make a plan with them when in doubt and this goes for if you're in an urban area if you're in a rural area know who you can say hey i need i need a mayday signal come get me Yeah, that's really great advice. And networks are so important, personal networks. But, um, Mm -hmm. well, we need to take a quick break. We're going to say uh, goodbye to Julia Terry, co-director of Choosing Our Roots. And when we come back, we'll hear from Tracy Weiss to learn about Identity, Alaska's new health clinic. Um, Julia, thank you so much for being here and for the work that you do. And uh, where should people, what's the best way for them to find your resources? Thanks so much. It's really been a pleasure to be here today. So um, like many of our other organizations, we are on the Internet. You can find us at choosingourroots.org. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Our telephone number is 907-764-6233, and there's a phone tree there. So you can reach the person that is most appropriate to the region that you're currently living in. And um, I want to say that we need you. Um, We are strong when we have everybody that is available around the circle to plan together and to care for our young people. And I also want to say that affirming safe homes for queer and trans young people, for LGB young people, um, are essential in our survival. This is truly life-saving when you can create supportive and beloved community. Um, Thanks so much for letting me join you all today. It was such a pleasure to be with a group of people that are so knowledgeable and care so much about our young people. Absolutely. Thank you, Julia. We're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, we'll speak more with Enigma Jindra from Choosing Our Roots and Joe Hemphill from Covenant House. And we want to hear from you, too. Do you have questions about help for someone who is LGBTQ plus and experiencing homelessness or other issues? Call us and share your thoughts. The statewide number is 1-800-478-8255. That's 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. And you can email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. Everyone is excited for the 2021-2022 school year. It's important to prepare for an active year ahead, whether you play competitive sports or just enjoy being active. It's important to make your overall health a priority. So get your COVID-19 vaccine, stay active and involved, check in with friends and family, and bounce back from COVID together and make it a great year. This message sponsored by the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services.
Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. I'm your host, Adeline Baxter. We're talking about LGBTQ plus youth homelessness today on the show and the many ways that it manifests and the resources that are available. Joining us now is Tracy Weiss, Clinic Director for Identity Health Clinic in Anchorage. The clinic provides trauma-informed mental and medical health care, specifically for Alaska's LGBTQ plus community. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for being here. Hey, how are you? And did I get your last name right? Is it Weiss or Weiss? It's Weiss. Weiss. Sorry about that. (laughs) Well, and also on the line, we have Enigma Jindra, who is a youth board member for Choosing Our Roots, and Joe Hemphill, who is the chief development officer for Covenant House. And uh, once again, if you have thoughts that you want to share, the statewide number is 1-800-478-8255, locally 550-8422, and email is talk at alaskapublic.org. And really quickly, we have uh, Taryn on the line from Fairbanks, who has a uh, note about host homes as choosing our roots. We've been talking about the importance of host homes. Hi, Taryn. You're on Talk of Alaska. Hello, everybody. Thank you guys for talking about such a critical social issue, especially in Alaska. Um, I just wanted to share a few resources that we have in Fairbanks that are phenomenal. So there's the Street Outreach Advocacy Program, otherwise known as SOAP, that is housed under the Fairbanks Native Association, and that helps folks who are age 12 to 17, well, under 18 years old, um, 12 to 18, who find themselves homeless, whether it's run away from home, whether they're kicked out of home, whether they just don't have a place for that night. So that's an amazing program. There is also The Door, which is um, a youth homeless shelter in Fairbanks. They give clean, dry clothes. They give food. They give chores. They have them do like a responsibility thing. So um, they may not get a job outside of The Door, but they have specific responsibilities. So they are finding ownership in that home experience and that community like you guys have been so awesomely talking about. And then the other major um, fact that's just near and dear to my heart is my dear friend Pete Penny, who is a higher up at UAF. He is a phenomenal human, and he has been doing basically exactly what you guys were talking about, this, like, community-based, you know, um, providing a positive home environment for people who are youth, LGBTQ+, that are displaced. And Pete has been providing that service in his own home for over two decades. And he intentionally purchased this big house downtown Fairbanks, and he renovated it so that there were different, like, private bedrooms, you know, and spaces, community eating spaces, a beautiful kitchen. And Pete has been an angel in so many lives. And um, my mom and I and Pete worked together to place This dear student of ours who is 16 years old, um, dealt with Asperger's, came from a very, very uh, conservatively religious family. And when this kid came out, his dad went nuts and he literally had to like escape the house in fear of his life in the middle of the night in winter. And um, I had a young baby at the time. And so I frantically called my mom. She went to the highway like between North Pole and Fairbanks picked Glenn up telling him like I promise I'm a safe person I was sent here by Karen and Pete and Glenn thankfully got in her car and she brought him to Pete's house where he was able to get settled and get on his feet and find a job and be able to finish high school and he does wonderful things in his adult life now and without Pete and that safe environment for him to be able to just get his essential needs you know taken care of I don't think Glenn would have survived. So I just 
want to say, you know, in Fairbanks alone, like we have these really special resources and some come from just the kindness of one person's art. Hmm. Thank you, Taryn. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's so inspiring how one community um, and one person can make such a difference for so many youth. Uh, so and now I want to um, turn it over to Tracy for a bit uh, to talk about sort of the you know health aspect of this, because obviously people who um, do not have stable housing are also at a disadvantage in terms of accessing health care. And um, health is important to all of us, but there are particular barriers for LGBTQ plus people. Uh, so Tracy, thanks for joining us today. You are the clinic director for Identity Health Clinic in Anchorage, and that is a new clinic that opened in the past year, or at least uh, through the identity um, nonprofit uh, model. And so can you tell us a little bit about what inspired uh, this clinic? Sure. So. Um, You are correct. We opened in April of this year. Prior to April, we were operating um, as my private practice under a small for-profit business, and we've been open since November 27th of 2017. Um, And about two or so years into that practice, I was really overwhelmed as a singular practitioner with the high level of need within the LGBTQ community. Um, our gender and sexually minority community members are not always protected with around their social determinants of health. And so as a clinic owner, what that means is a lot of patients with a lot of high needs um, that I couldn't address as a small for-profit business. So I approached Identity um, about two years into that process, about uh, a year before we opened as Identity Health Clinic and let them know that if we wanted, uh, you know, the LGBTQ2IA population of Alaska to have a special place that was trauma-informed where they could go, um, that we were going to need to do that as a nonprofit so that we would be eligible for grant funding and other resources that we just didn't have access to as a for-profit business. So um, the mission of Identity aligned with, uh, you know, what we want to do at the clinic, which is essentially to provide evidence-based health care to every person who walks through our door. Um, And that's regardless of their gender identity, their sexual orientation, their family makeup, how their relationship with other people, um, you know, their HIV status, their mental health status. Um, We want to be well-armed and and well-equipped to provide them with the health and wellness that they need um, with an understanding of the things that folks in that community struggle with, including being protected around housing and their employment opportunities. We call those things social determinants of health because we know that having access to safe housing um, is sort of one of the foundational bricks that one needs to be both physically and and emotionally well. And that's really great to hear that, um, you know, this resource exists in the South Central region. But what uh, sort of, you know, connections do you have to rural Alaska where healthcare in general, it can be difficult to come by, um, you know, reliably? Um, what resources are there for other parts of the state? Yeah, that's a great question. So we are practicing um, both in-person visits and through telemedicine right now. So for most patients, we are able to uh, provide you with care through telemedicine. We are limited in some ways by, uh, you know, legislation around controlled drug prescribing. So for instance, individuals who are looking for testosterone treatment for their gender dysphoria, um, testosterone is a controlled drug. So, uh, you know, we're going to work with the client to, to try to meet 
you know, our legal obligations to prescribe controlled drugs while still being able to provide care through telemedicine from a distance. And, and we can get creative with that, working with a local provider or, you know, working around folks' schedules when they are coming into Anchorage. Um, <clears throat> eventually, you know, we hope to, to be able to expand um, further uh, as far as, like, physical locations around Alaska. But right now we're reaching as many people as we can um, through telemedicine. And, and we do have current patients uh, that are statewide. Many of our patients do not live in Anchorage, um, and we serve their needs through our telemedicine platform. Hmm. Okay, well, that's great. So um, how should people who are looking to, you know, connect with the telemedicine, is the website the best way to go? Yeah, and I will say, too, you know, uh, working with folks outside of Anchorage and even in Anchorage, especially folks that are struggling with things like housing um, or employment sustainability or their emotional health, we, we don't do that in a vacuum. You know, we, we work uh, with our community resources, the folks that are represented on this call today, Choosing Our Roots um, is one of our favorite partners, you know, Covenant House, um, other organizations that already exist. Our, our goal at Identity is to work alongside of, you know, currently queer-serving organizations that are already doing this work and, and just find out how we can support that, how we can supplement that with the goal ultimately being, you know, achieving health and wellness for every gender and sexually minority person in Alaska. So if folks are interested in becoming a patient, you mm -hmm. can navigate to Identity's website, um, either just by Google searching Identity Alaska um, or going to uh, Identity's website directly. And that website um, is identityalaska.org. And at the top of the banner there, you'll see a link that says clinic. Um, and there's a big pink button that says new patient complete this form and that's a secure form that will come right over to us um, and we will get you through the onboarding process. If folks don't have insurance, we also work with um, representatives through the United Way here in Anchorage that help our folks get signed up through the marketplace or get signed up with Medicaid. Um, you know, so we're going to try to support folks uh, through every step of the way, even if they don't have insurance or the capacity to pay for services. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, great. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about healthcare and some of the other social determinants of health um, and the, how homelessness factors into that. When we return, we need to take another quick break. Uh, and we'll hear more from Enigma Jindra from Choosing Our Roots and Joe Hemphill from Covenant House, in addition to Tracy Weiss from Identities Health Clinic. And we're taking your comments and questions, too. Homelessness is a wide-ranging issue in Alaska. Call us. The statewide number is 1-800-478-8255. 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422, and you can email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. Today's program is underwritten in part by... ConocoPhillips, investing in oil exploration and production and working to create economic opportunities for Alaskans. ConocoPhillips, unlocking Alaska's energy resources. If you have health insurance through Medicare, now's the time to make changes to your Part D prescription drug plan. Between now and December 7th, you can enroll in, change, or drop your prescription drug plan. Check your plan to see if you need to adjust your insurance coverage. Need help deciding which one is best for you? Call Alaska's Medicare Information Office at 907-269-3680 or toll-free 800-478-6065. This message sponsored by DHSS. Alaska USA has been on a journey with Alaskans since their first member account was opened in 1948. They'll be with you every step of the way through the challenges of today and the hopes of tomorrow. AlaskaUSA.org. This message sponsored by Alaska USA.
Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. I'm Adeline Baxter. We're talking about LGBTQ plus youth homelessness today across the state. Our guests with me on the line are Enigma Jindra from, from Choosing Our Roots and Joe Hemphill from Covenant House. We also have Tracy Weiss from Identities Health Clinic. And uh, we want to go to the phones. LaShawn in Anchorage has been hanging out with us. Hi, LaShawn. Thanks for being patient. Yeah. Three years. You're kind of going in and out there, LaShawn. Can I have you start over there? Oh, I'm sorry. Here I am. How you doing? Oh, yeah. You sound great now. Go ahead. All right. So um, what I wanted to talk, let you guys know is that, you know, with Legacy Builders, Painters Academy, I'm the owner. I actually started this program so that we can usher in the next generation of painters. Because right now in the construction trade, we have a huge deficit of painters right now. So I've been partnering with the mayor's office. And one of the things that I've been really tackling and pinpointing is homelessness. And uh, it's over 400 residents inside of the Sullivan's Arena and Shiloh House and the Covenant House. I've just been reaching out to everybody in my assistant and trying to get um, people really interested in just the knowledge and the fact that here is a training that's available, a three-year apprenticeship training, and, you know, a certification to get them into the, uh, the trade of painting. Well, thank you so much, LaShawn, for talking about that resource. And obviously, you know, uh, jobs and uh, go into stable housing hand in hand. So appreciate the work you're doing there. All right. Thank you, guys. And just always, you know, just you can Google us, Legacy Builders, Painters Academy. Uh, give me a call and let's get you signed up. I have over 13 construction companies right now that are looking for viable painters. I'm an NCCR certified painter instructor, the only one in the state of Alaska right now. So I have right. uh, 30 years experience in this business, so I can definitely help them, you know, change their life and give them a new direction. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much. Well, uh, we only have about 10 minutes left in the program, so I want to make sure that everybody has uh, a chance to talk about every, well, you know, we can never cover this entire issue, unfortunately, but I also really want to make sure that we take a little bit of time to talk about joy, because a lot of the media portrayal of LGBTQ plus lives focuses on problems, and we did that for much of today's program. So while those issues are very real, there's also so much to look forward to for teens and young people who are thinking about coming out. Owen Hutchinson is a board co-chair for Identity Alaska, and he put it this way. The message I want young LGBTQ people to know going into the holidays when there's a lot of family stress, when there can be a lot of difficult things at home or at school, that you are cared for, you are supported, there is community out there for you, and you will be protected if you are brave enough to ask for help. And a lot of the resources that we've talked about today, Choosing Our Roots, Covenant House, Identity, are all organizations more than willing to help. Uh, we also, I also wanted to mention that last month, the Anchorage Museum had an exhibit called Dear Kin, showcasing LGBTQ plus stories from the Alaska Native community and that exhibit, sponsored by Native Movement and produced by Alex Sali and Jenny Irene Miller, featured video profiles and portraits of people representing different identities and tribes. So it was a really inspiring look at what it is to be queer and indigenous and a great example of the communities that people build. So let's take a minute to celebrate what's beautiful about being a member of the LGBTQ community. 
uh, Enigma, why don't you start us off? Well, um, just want to start off like um, you got to recognize that, yeah, life is not great. It, it, it can be a real hassle to be a person in this world, but um, uh, to any um, anyone who needs to hear this that's listening, um, I'm insanely mentally ill. I am disabled. I am neurodivergent. I am trans and gender expensive. And um, well, earlier this year, I got married to my best friend from high school. We've known each other for four years now, and we got married this past March. Because Congratulations. Why the heck not? We like each other or that much. Um, and I have a community that is able to help me out. Like um, I reached out to my community um, earlier this month because I've been having a lot of mobility issues due to my uh, disability. I have um, an unspecified seizure disorder and a chronic pain aim disorder that makes it really hard to move sometimes. So I said, hey, does anyone know of any mobility aids I can get? And sure enough, I now have two canes and a basti, and I'm working on getting more or mobility aids. There are plenty of people out there who are willing to give you a shot and also real quick i remembered another research or so i want to mention for the juno area and that is um juno youth services does do outreach work so if you ever need need any of their assistance go to their outreach office office on jordan street Mm -hmm. they're great people i've worked with them um on a inpatient capacity before they're wonderful people um just want to throw them in there great yeah thanks for mentioning that resource in southeast alaska um, Joe, did you want to pick it up? Uh, what aspects of uh, LGBTQ plus life do you want to celebrate? Um, I really want to celebrate the just the hard work of all the organizations represented, uh, in addition to individuals in the community that are, you know, in banks and engineering firms and schools, and um, and and say that. To all the young people who are still struggling to come out and feel proud, um, the the fight is on, and um, we are at a time and place in history where, like never before, have um, have we as a society, I believe, wholly want to uh, embrace and celebrate every human being as an individual and, and come as you are. Right. And if you don't feel safe, find a safe place and, and then, you know, um, hold your head high because you are important. You are loved and you're relevant and you're not invisible and you don't need to be. Hmm. Thank you for that, Joe. Tracy, was there anything you wanted to add a celebration and joy? Yeah. You know, it's a real privilege for me to be in a place in my life where I am comfortable and safe um, and and feel a need to exercise my privilege and, and by doing so, um, make sure that I am wildly visible in whatever professional space that I am in, um, which usually, you know, looks like me kind of bringing that perspective. I'm asking the questions that people might get uncomfortable with, especially if we're in, you know, non-queer professional spaces. And 
finding a community of people who have accepted me for exactly who I am um, has been a really wonderful part of me figuring myself out, um, even even though I came out, you know, when I was 24. Um, so I see examples every day of, of our patients and our clients being brave and identifying their needs for help. And in all of those cases, I see wonderful members and, and services within our community stepping up. So I would just echo the messages that everybody else has brought around. There are so many tables that are open for you within this community. Um, if you identify yourself, we are going to come running to support you probably way more eagerly than you want. Um, but there are so many people, um, you know, in our community that want you to know um, that you are loved and welcomed and, and you can come as you are, um, I think, especially in this in this season. So hopefully, you know, for folks listening to this, they have heard about a resource that they feel comfortable um, linking up to so that we can keep helping you, you know, grow your constellation and your community. Mm-hmm. We are ready for you and we want you here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Tracy. And yes, we have mentioned a lot of resources today. We will post um, as many as I can on our uh, page, Talk of Alaska on alaskapublic.org. And of course, you can always check out Choosing Our Roots, Identity, and Covenant House for more direct resources. I also want to mention that there's an upcoming virtual screening of the 2019 film Pier Kids. It's about queer and trans youth of color who live on the Christopher Street Pier in New York City. If you've ever seen the classic documentary Paris is Burning about New York's ballroom culture, it's almost like an update to that and talks about the same themes of homophobia and, you know, abuse that have been suffered by some young people while also celebrating the joy and community they find. So that screening uh, will be followed by a discussion, and it's going to take place December 4th at 1 p.m. Details can be found on alaskapublic.org's event page. That's all the time we have today. Thank you so much to Julia Terry and Enigma Jindra from Choosing Our Roots, Joe Hemphill from Covenant House, and Tracy Weiss from Identity Health Clinic. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tobin Shelby, producer Annie Fight, and on the phones, Kavitha George. This has been Talk of Alaska. I'm Adeline Baxter, and thank you for listening today. of Alaska is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Today's program is available online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media. Alaska Public Media.